Welcome to Tell Me About Your Mother, a podcast for counselors by counselors, where we explore issues related to our profession, filtering them through our professional and sometimes personal and humorous lens. Each episode, Evan, Eli, and Melissa offer food for thought by bringing their experience and humanity to help you strengthen your practice of psychotherapy. We would love to connect with you at contact us at tellmeaboutyourmother.run. So, Melissa, what is this mod thing about? So, getmod.com is a company that sells sexual wellness products for everyone. Vibrators, butt plugs, lubricants, condoms, everything in between, different types of vibrators. Wow. Made out of body-safe material. Uh, they are also economically priced. Free shipping over t- for a $20 purchase or over. So, where do I go to get all this stuff? Go to getmod.com. Check out their products. And then at checkout, if you want, you can have a discount using the Melissa5 promo code. So M-E-L-I-S-S-A and the number five in the promo code section. And I think it's $5 off your purchase price. So free shipping over $20 plus an additional five off. Discreet packaging. Discreet packaging. So when you order it, there's not just going to be this huge phallic thing wrapped in Christmas paper. No, it'll come so your neighbors do not know what you're ordering. They'll think it's a drone. Yes. Perfect. Yes. All right. Well, if you guys are interested, go on over to Mod and Melissa 5 at discounted rate, and hopefully we can get some vibrators over here. Yes. Getmod.com. We're live. Happy New Year, everyone. Good riddance, 2021. How was everyone's 2021? My 2021 was good. Mine's pretty damn good. I work two days a week. <laughs> My, If I were to like think of the difference between fe- January of 2021 and December, it's very different. Immensely. It's been a long year. It felt, it's felt like three years. <laughs> yeah, because in January, I was a clinical director of a toxic workplace. I was in a toxic relationship. I just left a toxic living environment. And now, I don't do any of those things. The, to- the toxins are gone. <laughs> They're all, the barnacles. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we can retrieve that episode. We went on this long metaphor about barnacles and, and uh, like sailboat holes. Yeah, we don't even know what we lost, do we? Uh, so I guess it doesn't matter. So we could just act like we've never had a podcast before. Well, you texted that episode to us in its entirety. Can you just retrieve it from that? Uh, yeah, it's mm, the barnacle one. Yeah, I think so. Possibly, but I can't. I don't have the actual stems for it, so it's just the audio. I can't look at the files. Oh, okay. So I don't know how I could put some other stuff in it. Maybe we could just call it the janky episode. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm seeing on Facebook this idea that um, people aren't making New Year's resolutions, that instead they want the circumstances of life to change, which I thought was a very I'm odd... I'm not going to change. I'm going to change the world. Yeah. Well, like, like it's not time for me to change. The world needs to change. Don't they call that, uh, oh, yeah, external locus of control? Exactly. I thought that was very interesting. But so I, is that a New Year's restitution? Restitution. <laughs> That's I'm on the I'm the cul-de-sac and I have my arms crossed and I'm gonna take my ball home. Exactly. I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> that just made me laugh because I think I just had a great 2021 and I think it's just because it's, I made it that way, or at least I did my best to. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah. Most of the freedom I've experienced has been by my own decisions for sure. In this past year, it hasn't been. Yeah, like if I would have waited for my job to, oh no, none of, that none of that would have worked. <laughs> my relationship, my job, my controlling ex-roommate, whom I just saw last night, actually. That was weird. Ran into him. We're well, good if we just see each other. Okay, so how is he controlling? I feel like this are well, whole he has body stories there. Yeah, he has body dysmorphia. Oh, really? Well, nah, I'll diagnose him. <laughs> it's fine. 
I think I yeah I have more I have more context than anyone would have in a session. I live with the fucker. Uh, yeah, no, he so he's a bodybuilder, and he like okay here's here's a situation. I was cooking and I was searing something and it got really smoky because there was too much liquid on the meat or something on a cast iron and so the house smoked out and I was like oh shit and the fire alarm went off so I'm waving the smoke out I got the windows open just essentially doing what you would responsibly do when that happens because when it happens when you cook yeah. sometimes so he's fanning it out with me and all this and I can just feel this like repressed rage I can sense it in the room and I'm like this is weird and so afterwards I'm like yeah sorry man and he's like yeah, just make sure it doesn't happen again. Very sternly. And I'm like, okay. Very bizarre, right? Like, uh, he was, like, so charged in- up about it. What? Like, it had this intolerance for imperfection, or? Yes. So, like, I would have, you know, obviously cleanliness is important to people, and I'm not a slob, but literally to have a dish in the sink, one dish, would create this internal I don't know dis obviously dysregulation but his mind can't comprehend abstraction or things that aren't completely refined and and clean and organized I imagine his family the household he grew up in was just as rigid or a pigsty right yeah yeah he's either maintaining rules or trying to change the world yeah and he Ugh, yeah, you know people that uh, go to therapy and they don't explore how to like if we're to communicate from how we've read it in a textbook that comes off as very condescending or what uh, or pompous. don't let it happen again no 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 that's definitely not something you'd even read in a textbook but I'm talking about like people well he he his whole fucking bookshelf was a self help system too so that's another problem but if you yeah that's probably a better thing going off of a self-help book and allowing that to completely change the way in which you communicate i think is pretty ineffective because it's 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 seen as condescension and people that aren't communicating that way seem they seem to perceive it as like uh minimizing or or being pompous or something because I've tried some of that stuff and it doesn't seem to work very well. But uh, he would do that. He'd be like, there'd be some situation. I don't I don't know. Like, I didn't take the trash out or something. And he'd be like, um, you know, Evan, when you didn't take the trash out, it really felt like you were overlooking my needs as a roommate. And like shit like that. Like it just gets to this. It's almost uh, like a worksheet that he's like. Yeah, but it gets to this serious like meaning realm. Oh, Right, where my feelings were neglected because you ex, but you're, in all actuality, I didn't take the trash out or something. Right? It's like, dude, that's you're on a other spectrum. <laughs> I think, or maybe I'm just minimizing his needs. I mean, surely I am, but I believe well, they I, yeah, didn't I think need he to was be. definitely communicating that whatever was going on with him wasn't really about the trash. But yeah. he, you know but he was probably trying to use the relationship he had with you to correct or get the validation that he was so desperately seeking, I guess, in other relationships. He yeah, couldn't see you as just the roommate. It's like he needed you to fulfill something emotionally. Well, and people underestimate all that goes on to bodybuilding. People just think, oh, they eat a lot of meat and work out a lot and do some roids. But when you are training for a competition, uh, I mean, you could, yeah, pretty much anyone I've seen do it, you could meet criteria for anorexia nervosa. Mm-hmm. And, like during that time period. And then people do numerous uh, shows a year. And they get addicted to that as well. So he was competing. Yeah, c- consistently. And so you could just see, like he would look emaciated. Mm. Yeah. And so that's another part Maybe he was it. hangry. Oh, yeah. But also that, all that was fueling into control. I have to f- control my physique, my eating, my roommate, my relationships with others. My environment. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
so it, it and all in all it just really left me in a position of feeling unwelcome to my own home yeah i can see that because there's always trouble right and if there's not around i just don't know about it right he 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 sent me a text once about a couple grand we had a huge 20 pound rice bag and he literally had the audacity once to send me a oh you need to feel or consider my feeling whatever he was saying from some self-help book shit about three grains of rice in the cover next to the bag of rice like talking about how i need to seal it properly and make sure that there's not excess rice like on the because i the way he wrote it i thought oh shit there must be like a cup of rice down there and i went and looked and it was like four grains seriously not not exaggerating yeah like you scoop a cup in it's this it's this big yeah as you get at costco yeah it's not like i understand if there's like rice everywhere and it's just like oh screw it literally four grains but I think this is kind of ableism too. He can probably pay attention to everything. Yep. And people with talent assume everybody else can. I can't pay attention to three grains of rice, four grains of rice. Mm-hmm. I will not see it. So people that see it assume I'm being inconsiderate or messy. Like that, that I feel the same way he does. Yeah. I'm, and I know he'll feel that way. Yeah. I'm like, eh, screw it. It doesn't matter. Fuck him. Yeah. But that's a very. It's like people that send birthday cards. It's natural. It's easy. It's usually no effort. They're the people that get offended when <laughs> I don't send them a birthday card. Dude, I don't give a shit. It's about ableism. Birthday. It's like, oh yeah, I know when your birthday is. It's like, Mm-mm, I don't. That's true. And I think a lot of these arguments with roommates or anybody or people assuming I can do it, but I refuse to. Yeah, I like that. Like a dish in the sink. So what do I do with? Okay, so I'm disabled in that realm. What if the ableism is pathological? Like, what if his cleanliness and his control and everything is something you could diagnose? Then what do you do? Well, like OCD, I've had clients that have gotten upset about the the trim in this office not having (laughs) a sharp paint line. I see it too, but I'm I'm in recovery. I'm trying to bounce back from that perfectionism. <laughs> so I was like, how much do I want to care? Yeah. And all the ceiling tiles don't match. And some people have been observant of that. How long do you talk about it with them? Well, it quite a while. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you need? What what? What's the disturbance? What's the peace? Yeah, because it's not really about the ceiling tiles not matching. No. And it's not about the four grains of rice. It's about... Wait, it's not? Help me understand <laughs> that. Because I would rather think about the rice on the floor than my feelings. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like that's just the the highway entrance and to... my deltoids. Yeah. <laughs> that's just the highway entrance to his some deeper issue that's going on. Look, it, it all went... But it's not your job, though, as the roommate... To figure out what else is going on. Neither, not as a child either. We'll segue into that in a minute. <laughs> but uh, that's the other part to this that I was very awestruck about as I would walk in. Because I underestimated what bodybuilding was. I was ignorant, apparently, based on all the new information I gathered living with him. He's got a, a, a FaceTime call with his trainer. And he's literally in like a thong and nothing else flexing and this guy is critiquing like how the viscosity of his veins he's critiquing um his deltoid he's critiquing the 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 definition of his obliques uh all these different poses then protrude out certain muscles in certain ways and he's like no I i want you to critique me as hard as you can don't be kind i'm i'm competing so it's literally like he he didn't perceive it that way, but I, I think that's shame, that's pretty shame evoking, right? I would think so, but it's almost like masochistic that you would want to go through that, right? Like all the hard work he's doing, and he has this other guy that he would he wants to completely strip down every every finite detail that might not be perfect. But there's what is the standard of perfection though in bodybuilding? 
I mean, I guess you wouldn't know that. Well, it's it's the. I mean, everyone is looking at Ronnie Coleman. You never heard of him? Mm -mm. Or Ron? What's his name? He's some guy that. I mean, you have to have hard work and you have to have really good ability to have eating disorders, but (laughs) but also it's genetic, right? Like my bicep insertions go all the way to. I guess where my elbow is. You know, some people they'll have a gap. Oh, okay, yeah. That's genetic. Like, so someone with a gap on their bicep, they can work out all the time, but they still are gonna have that gap, and that's not. No one's gonna want to see that. No trophies for gaps. Right. So you could take steroids, and you could work really hard. Yet you have there's no muscle an there. insertion there, and it's just genetic. And so that he it could work really hard in all these different ways, but. If he doesn't have a certain mutation of gene, his his part of his back won't ever look as good as whoever he's um, pursuing to be or look like. That just reminds me of that image of the snake eating its tail, like going in a circle, mm-hmm. like just devouring itself. Yeah. He's just going in circles. I saw him the other day, and he didn't look good. I mean, he's jacked. That poor guy. Absolutely jacked. But... But is he happy? Hell no. No. And I think a lot of this stuff is pathological. It might be hardwiring. It might be hypervigilance. It may be adverse childhood experiences and scars. And I've got to stay hyper-focused or something bad's going to happen. So talking people down from that anxiety, that hypervigilance seems like a life-threatening proposal yeah i mean it could be those four grains of rice in his mind okay four grains of rice now we're gonna have rats and this oh, yeah. is yeah. this is like what if we have rats rats we're gonna have the plague yeah we're gonna fleas and then we're gonna have the health department coming in well this is right what there. saddens me is that he goes to therapy and the way in which he at least perceives the therapy i mean who knows what actually happens but through his own lens it's very skill-based and very, like, self-help driven. So the therapist is not treating the process. The therapist is treating the symptoms and giving giving him CBT. In a very, like, and even when I think of CBT, I think of it as more in terms of identity formation. Yet a lot of CBT is just symptom-based treatment. It's so like, It's they, like my pillow puppy training. They just fall right right into his shit. I think, which is sad because he's willing and open to experience therapy unlike a lot of people and he goes consistently. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's ever really experienced like real therapy. But you know what though? That might be the groundwork that needs to take place, like the plowing of the field and constant, you know, like removing the rocks, so to speak, if you think about people as farmers fields that to eventually get to trauma counseling i mean he might need those skills up front to get to a place of like comfort and just uh, a tolerance for you're thinking like the cbt symptom based treatment yeah like it might be like i think no, i agree with I'm you i'm thinking on that. back to my first client that i ever had with emdr and she spent like two years just going to quote anger management group therapy and I think, like, for the first eight months, she didn't even talk. She just needed to be there and listen to other people's stories. And then over time, it being there helped her learn how to regulate her emotions, even though she wasn't actively – it seemed as though she wasn't actively engaged in group therapy. Mm-hmm. But um, that's just what she needed. She needed to do this, like, level of, like, groundwork before she could get to the deeper issues. Yeah, but I think he's he uh, his obsessive nature oh. has gotten him into a space of living in that world. Okay, so it's just so like I think self reinforced. But I think it comes down to the counselor to to be be able to determine when that shift needs to take place. Like once the skill based stuff is built up enough to where you can go into the deeper process. And I guess that's, I would imagine that's pretty hard to But it's got to be frightening for him to think of who would I be if I was imperfect. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. That's probably a question he's never asked himself. 
Like, what, what would that look like? You know, to him, that's probably like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And it happened to me. I'll tell you guys a story. <laughs> tell you about my mother. I, my therapist two weeks ago, or maybe three weeks ago, <clears throat> she said, Evan, are you going to Christmas with your parents this year? And I think I told Eli this. That question had never entered my mind in my entire life. Not one time. It was such a simple question. And I don't even think it was very intentional from her. I think it was just like a question. It could have been, but I was like... But she knew they were local? Yeah. I was like, oh, um, yeah, I'm going. I always go. She's like, oh, okay. And we proceeded somewhere else. So Christmas Eve, we do a... My, my mom and my dad and me go to Waffle House because they're busy with church and doing music stuff and everything's closed and they were there most of the day on New Year's Eve so we go to Waffle House. So I get to Waffle House a little bit early. I go in. Oh, we're actually closed for 45 minutes. There's a shift change and they're understaffed. So I'm like, oh, that's weird. I call my dad. My mom answers. I tell her this. Her cognitive inflexibility is so impalpable. She's like, well, why? Why, 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 um, why can't we go in there? Um, have you asked if they can make it faster? Or like, She's asking like all these questions. And she's I, not even there yet. I wasn't even listening, Harley, so I can't really reiterate what she said. Um, I think I had dissociated at that point, but not really. So I'm like, uh, let me talk to Dad. So I talked to him. I'm like, okay, well, maybe we have to go somewhere ethnic. I don't know. Just we'll meet at Waffle House and decide where we want to go. They get there, and my mom is like, not a tantrum. She's not kicking and screaming on the ground in Walmart, but she's like dysregulated, frustrated, and trying to make sense of how we can't eat Waffle House. Like she can't make sense of it. She She's just like, mad and frustrated and all this so I say calmly to my parents I'm like well it's Christmas Eve nothing's really open we're gonna have to go somewhere ethnic that doesn't celebrate Christmas like Chinese or Indian and I was like all right so she's like oh no I'll just I don't I'll just go home you guys do this by yourselves I don't like doing this whole I'm gonna take my ball home shit right and I just looked at her and I was like and my dad's getting frustrated. He's in between us. I look at him like, I don't want to go anymore. And I drove home. And that my dad just stormed off. I'm sure he was pissed screaming at her. But uh, later that night, I... Oh, I did tell you, Eli some of this. Later that night, I was, I was pissed. Because I've had this awakening now that I don't have the barnacles on the side of my ship. I realize when one sticks onto me, um, much easier. I'm like, why do I do this? Because in that moment, I was like, I was parenting my parents again. And she reached out and was like, oh, sorry, this, I wasn't yelling at you. I was just frustrated about Waffle House. Like she has the incapability of, perceiving why why would Evan just go home tonight like maybe this is an accumulation of having to be parented by my son for 25 years I was parenting her at five years old so can't see any of that I can't see the forest for the trees all that so I call my dad and I'm like I don't think I want to come to Christmas tomorrow and I just walked him through the process and what it was like for me to have to consistently parent her and how ridiculous it it is and how, you know, I expect, I said to him, I was like, I, I no longer expect her to be my mother, but I expect her to be an adult. Like Wait, that's... You said that to your dad? Mm-hmm. I was like, that's, that's something that I'm willing to expect and that I believe that I should. I don't believe I ought to really perceive or expect her to be a, a nurturing mother. That's not capable. She's not capable of that. I think she has probably a personality disorder. Um, but I should be able to expect her to be an adult around me. Because in that moment, I expected, well, not really from her, but as an adult, the adult comes and says, oh, this isn't going to work. Let's find out where we want to get food together. 
the child kicks and screams and then causes a fragmentation of me, my father, and my mother to where I go home and eat by myself and don't go to Christmas the next morning. So I didn't go. And I was like, thinking about this, I was trying to zoom out of my own stuff and think, wow, how fascinating this is that I know infinitely more kinder people than my mother who are alone, and she never has been alone. And me not going to Christmas, and I wasn't trying to wield some like punishment. It was more about I didn't want to go and be a dick, and I was tired of just overlooking her behavior. But that was the first time in my memory of my entire life where she had um, not a punishment, but she had a consequence for her actions. The first time in my entire life I've ever seen that. But own it. Was it the first time for her or the first time you had enacted a consequence? Yeah, I I think that's it, yeah. It's the first time that my family system, like there's been yelling or, or stuff like that, but in terms of like, no, your behavior last night was childish i didn't say that but it was quite childish and i therefore i don't want to come to christmas the next day i don't want to be around you yeah when you're acting like a child right yeah and so i think that was but she's never been told that at least by you definitely not by me but i think that's a moment when evan became a family of one you declared your independence oh and let's get let's just get down to the nitty-gritty i'm gonna read the email (laughs) she sent me an email Yesterday. Okay, so Eli's getting uncomfortable for me. So wait, wait. She sent the email yesterday. <laughs> I think I don't know. Yeah. So we're talking a distance between Christmas Eve and yesterday. Yeah, but I think 30th. my dad had a conversation with her. So six days passed. He was he was this he was uh, sharing how because she said oh her mind is when things happen they're in the past like even four hours later and he apparently told her recently Evan or he said you know. Your children are grown adults and still have negative feelings. He's trying to simplify it for her about their upbringing and how you treated them. And she can't fathom how that would be uh, indicative of anything. And he says it doesn't matter that you can't. The reality is that they do. And she can't really compute all that. So this, I think, revoked uh, this email. So the email is entitled capital A-T-T which means attention? I don't know. It's very odd. What do you think, Eli? What does that mean? Atlantic <laughs> Telephone and Telegraph? <laughs> it says, here, you guys can see the, so, it says hello, dash, dash, dash. Please read. <clears throat> Evan, colon, your dad tells me that you hate me. I did not realize your feelings toward me were that bad. I love you and want you to not hate me. I'm sorry for all the things that I said or did to you during your childhood that made you feel bad. There was a time that I was so stressed out inside and took it out on you and Elise. I'm sorry. Hopefully one day you can forgive me. I'm very proud of the awesome young man you have become in spite of me. I only want the best for you and for you to be happy. I do love you, Mom. I think that's sincere. It's, it is sincere. Yeah, it's an email. But it sounds like a hand over hand helping somebody write a letter. It's like She but I think you're right. She is very limited. Yes. In her she she truly lacks insight into the most she could surmise is that she was stressed growing up when you were little. Mhm. That's a start. <laughs> Wow, look at Melissa's optimism right now. She didn't just say, yeah, that relationship's never going to go anywhere. No, I mean, it's a start. For her, it's a start. I mean, you... But you I had to cancel Christmas to get her to add knowledge that she was stressed as a, as I was a child. But you know what, though? That's the kind of, like, bonk on the head she needs to take responsibility in incremental steps. And I haven't responded, and I think what I, I really, I, maybe this is mean, but I want to tell her that I don't expect her to be my mother, but I expect her to be an adult around me. I think that's an excellent I think that's that, like the. That's the best boundary. It's the bare minimum, right? Like, Absolutely. I'm no longer, no. 
that you don't get to just be dysregulated and childish and have me around because it affects me right like there's a residual effect if i find myself in that system and i i de-escalate everyone and the parent and i neglect how i feel about my mother acting like a child around me consistently and i ignore it and i avoid it unfortunately like if that could just stay in that system i wouldn't care as much because i could just kind of tuck that away and just know okay that's how that happens when i'm around them yet that's not how my brain works that's the microcosm and then that impacts the way in which i interact with people i'm dating my friendships everyone but yeah because it comes to the template it's like your operating system your template that's where i system. that's my node to the os yeah. And then that extends out to the formative relationships that I actually care about, that I choose to, to, or yeah, that I more so choose to participate in. But I guess family, I ch I'm choosing now too. But you know what I'm saying is like that's the operating system. And so, unfortunately, I can't just ignore it and oh, oh those are my family. I just well, whatever. But it has a huge impact. And that's where self awareness comes in. We got to know how we feel. A lot of people are behind the schedule on that. They're not paying attention to how I feel. They're not looking at the separation of fact and feelings. I feel hurt. I feel endangered. I feel threatened. I feel unappreciated. I feel unwelcome. A lot of people are going to argue facts. But you are welcome. But I feel unwelcome. But you are welcome. The fact is I'm welcome, but I don't feel welcome. So your mom's arguing facts. Did she say something horrible? Did she call you a worthless to me, little shit? Right, yeah. So that, yeah, she did. <laughs> she did. Well, yeah, come to think of it. But, but not not at Waffle House. She did not. But that's what she, her vision is, what did I say to Evan at Waffle House where he would cancel Christmas? You remember my firecracker puppy uh -huh. story? That was microwave popcorn to you. It sounded just like firecrackers, and that's the operating system you're talking about. Because in that moment, it, I... I I don't have a space to feel anything. I have to be pragmatic and talk about where we're going to eat. You're the puppy headed behind the couch and yeah. looking for a place to pee or something to chew on. And you're like, mm, I got to re reprogram this software. Well, and the fact that my father in between both of us wasn't the one that do what I did. Right. That's disappointing too. Well, he was, he was just like getting upset because she was upset no well he was he was on he was thinking in my my frame of like this is ridiculous like how can you not conceptualize uh what's occurring and yeah it, it what frustrated me too is that when she was like being a, a child oh i'll just go and eat with by myself don't worry you guys go do your own thing like but being passive aggressive yeah um it's frustrating and disappointing that he didn't say, all right, I'll drop you <laughs> off at home. And then Evan and I will oh, go call her out on her bullshit. Yeah, like, okay, like, I'll okay. let you go home. And then Evan and I will go eat together. Call her bluff. Okay. Yeah. That didn't happen. But he's never stood up to her like that before. I can't imagine ever in his marriage. Mm -mm. But I mean, I think that's why they've lasted as long as they have as a couple. Yeah, that's how it's it functions. she's able to berate him into submission. Yep. God, God. And I'm thinking about like what that's like for you seeing like a male role model being berated mm -hmm. by a female. Like and that. you just think about my most recent relationship and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Whack-a-mole. All the things Evan needs to change about himself so that I'm content with my own life. But look what? at you. I mean, you're staring up at your 30s and you're making these exceedingly difficult but highly necessary changes in your life scraping off all the barnacles so that you can enter your 30s with like a much clearer mindset mm -hmm. i mean i can only i mean i guess i'm maybe this is like all the cold medication i'm on right now but i'm like <laughs> i've just had this like this swell of positivity coming towards me that i really feel like you're going to attract a very healthy woman oh i think i have we got uh, an update oh, we have to oh, okay yes but i mean i think that you're saying goodbye to those toxic systems and that is just opening up doors to attract people who are more vibrating at your frequency now. Yeah, I think my vibrations changed in the last year a lot. I think mine have too in 2021. Mm -hmm. I think, and I, I really, makes me sad to think of so many people who are like mired in this stew of 
my life in 2021 sucked because of COVID and all the COVID restrictions. Weirdly, I think all of that COVID nonsense has allowed me to thrive. Like it more grounded? Very much so. Mm-hmm. How about you, Eli? How's your vibration going this year? <laughs> Speaking of mob, getmob.com. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> my vibration's changed in a couple of ways. <laughs> well, I think I've definitely benefited from COVID in 2020. That was definitely... Like the first year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This year, I don't think it affected me really, but... Like I, negative or tired. positive? Yeah. Or you're just I'm, kind of annoyed? I've, I think I've had a good year. But I've been surrounded by a lot of people who've not. Mm. Mm. I think as a counselor, it's it's time for me to to detox, not just from professional toxins that I've picked up, but from family stuff that have become yeah. more toxic. I've become more aware of the toxins than ever before. Or have you just become more well? Possibly. Like it's there's y'all, more y'all of keep a me in there's more of a contrast, right? I think that's like uh, these family systems don't generally change. And the more and more I become aware of the toxicity, I don't think it's that they're becoming more toxic usually. I think I'm just becoming more aware based on like there's a contrast between my internal wellness and like the close relationships in my life that aren't my family to my family. Just becomes like black and white. I'm like, whoa. Like the like the whole um, that thing at Awful House four years ago, I would have thought that was pretty, pretty chill, cause she didn't scream, oh. she didn't um, break anything, she didn't throw, a she didn't say anything to me. Man. I would have thought like, oh, that's like if you asked me to scale that interaction, it would have been like a one out of ten, right? That's fucking crazy. <laughs> that have been a one out of ten five years ago. But I think it, now you just set the standard. You're just you, if you don't show up as your adult self, I cannot be around you. Yeah, it's it's like no longer I'm not chasing this idea of a mother. It's I'm I'm just and I'm not even chasing the idea of having an adult in my life. It's just like well, that's what needs to be for me to be around. Like I'll go on trips. I'll I'll play the game. I'll ignore the loss of mother dynamic that never was even there. Yet if you act like a child I'll leave I don't think it's contract renegotiation we enable and we act and people react and families definitely follow contracts if I continue to enable it like am I any better but these are contracts that can be torn up renegotiated and that's what you're doing in the past I've tolerated this the contract's new Mm -hmm. you're not allowed to do that or I won't tolerate that yeah. If you really want to screw with her mentally. Oh, let's just type the email right now. While we're <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is what I'm about to say. Like, I mean, like, I think this would probably be a, I don't know if this, you'd have to decide if this is what your intention is. But my suggestion would be to even go so far as, at least this is my personality, to apologize for having tolerated that behavior. But maybe oh. say something like, <laughs> yeah, like know, that. Yeah, like, I'm so know, sorry. I've reinforced your I behavior reinforced, for so long. Yes, this but is I, my part. But this year, it is my know, part. I've, yeah, exactly. Like taking ownership of her, of your part in the take two hands to clap. You know, kind of metaphor. Like, and apologize. Definitely my. That's definitely my part. I, I don't yeah. know how she would react to that, but oh, but she you entered. Fathom, you entered this contract at the age of five. You agreed. Well, I didn't even write terms. it. Yeah, right. And they're like, it's here's like indentured servitude. They like, they like held my hand and I, I moved to the. So now you're the, the attorney. You're like, whoa, I, I. I'm reading through it now. And I'm like, wait, what? You didn't have the political, intellectual, social power. No. To negotiate better terms. Now you do. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, that's a cool thing too, is with a uh, client recently that was talking about how, yeah, we've just made this, uh, agreement now with my parents that my wife and I do Christmas together instead. I was like, wow. That was another, one of those other moments where I'm like, oh, options. <laughs> but families never put those out there. Yeah. That coming home, being part of the family is optional. No. Just by definition, families never, never, never give us that. But I think that's a hallmark of the toxic families or the 
maladaptive, unwell families, the ones who don't allow there to be options or cognitive flexibility about when you get together. Because I remember like with my first mother-in-law, you know, her mindset was like, if, if we weren't there on Christmas Day, then we have somehow offended her. But as a Catholic, you know, I see Christmas as a season and I can get together with you the week after Christmas and it'll still be the same thing, but people can get to be very f- inflexible in their thinking. Mm-hmm. The importance of cognitive flexibility. Yeah. Something that, yeah. That's why, I think that's why I was so frustrated as a child is I somehow had an innate cognitive flexibility and I was around people that were just like so concrete and inflexible and so I would get so, I think that's probably where my rage started. <laughs> just looking around like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Just so outraged by it. Whew. We watched Home Alone, A Thought of You over Which Christmas. One? The first one. Nice. And I think that's probably another reason why you were so attracted to the idea of Kevin McAllister because he was so cognitively cognitively flexible. He's brilliant. Yeah, and problem solving. Mm-hmm. And especially how he talked to that old man at the church when he was came to go see his granddaughter sing, and he came up with some like alternative yeah. thought process about how he could still have a relationship with the son and the granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that made me think of you. Yeah, it's as as we talked about that in the episode. It, brought about even more awareness as to why I was so obsessed with Home Alone. But Christmas, I think, is a big, it's a trap. The rules and expectation, the Norman, Norman, Set up to Norman fail. Rockwell voodoo. <laughs> yeah. It's like, kumbaya, everybody sit around a table with a perfect turkey and unwrapped gifts and well, that goes that goes to the whole um, point A versus point B thing you shared with me about happy versus sad. And if we yeah, like about what point like a. what's point point B is we enjoy. Uh, do I sound weird on here? Mm-mm. Oh, I sound weird to myself. Um, point B is like we are a happy, cohesive family enjoying Christmas together, mm-hmm. and so we obsess about the point B. Yet, point A is. There's a lot of dysfunction and, you know, system reinforcement that's maladaptive and unaddressed feelings towards one another, long-term resentments, etc. Yet, if we were to actually process the point A together, maybe next year we could actually be at point B as opposed to it being this fictitious Whoville. <laughs> But we we do a lot. It's like MapQuest back before phones were smart. If you if you misrepresent point A, any directions you get are going to be wrong. Like if if my life sucks, but I tell you my life is not so bad, that's like me saying I'm at two twelve North Tryon. But my life sucks, which means I'm at two twelve South Tryon. So point B would be Krispy Kreme, happiest place in the world. That's where I want to be. The warm donuts. That's what we want with these family holiday gatherings is point B. We're all lying about point A and wondering why we can never get to B. Yep. It would take a tremendous amount of authenticity and self-reflection to have a you know, genuine conversation about what point A looks like for everybody. Mm-hmm. I just thought of that as like a new business like prior to the holidays have like a family intervention <laughs> yeah we're gonna talk family. about point a motherfuckers <laughs> that could be a point a consultation we should do that we'll go LLC. like december 1st we'll just like travel somewhere and we'll get to point a with some families that'd be real messy that would just be like um a process group where the first day you just throw cake and a wrench and pumpkins all over each other like, all right, you guys ready? So my neighbor, he and I have this very wicked sense of humor, very similar. 
And so he and I are going to organize a Festivus next year. Are you all familiar mm-hmm. with Seinfeld's Festivus? Mm-mm. So one of the tenets of Festivus is an airing of grievances. <laughs> and oh. Kevin has, his name is Kevin, he has um, a whole bunch of grievances about our neighbors. And uh, it's always going to be like, it's going to start off like, you know, listen up, motherfuckers. <laughs> This is why I hate you. And then it goes into like all of the annoying things that we've had to deal with our neighbors, just all of their pettiness. Do you send it to them? No, it's going to be like, mailbox? it's going to be like a, we have a fire pit in our neighborhood. And we're going to, everyone's going to bring lawn chairs and air our grievances. So the whole neighborhood knows about it. Not yet. Right, so gonna... he and I are organizing it for 2022. I told That's him great. we probably need to have like the mobile mental health team on standby. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a lot of sociopathic, straight up, crazy sociopathic neighbors mm. who will um, just invent grievances and, and and arguments and drama just because That's they have so nothing else. Because they don't want to focus on what's really going on in their lives. But just so you're like a HOA, yeah, it's an and HOA community watch. Shit. Yes, yeah. Uh. But um, that made me think of my. I just got back from Ohio, and I witnessed my husband and his sister mm-hmm. launch into a. She was screaming at him more than he was screaming at her, but she was kind of on this tangent about uh, someone she knows who she feels like is being abused. And I turned to her and I said, you know, you can call Adult Protective Services if you feel like this elderly couple is truly being abused. And that was like a concrete solution to whatever she was ranting about, this perception, mistreatment of this elderly couple. And then so then she just sort of like dismissed that and then went back to just arguing about why they shouldn't be abused. And so Mike, he cuts her off and he says, "Okay, there's nothing you can do about it if you're not going to call Adult Protective Services drop it there's nothing to talk about anymore and she just starts screaming you always do this you always interrupt Ooh. me you always dismiss what i have to say and and i was just like watching this and that was that made me think of your point a argument i was like i really wanted to unpack this like what do we mean by <laughs> always you know like like let's break this down but no, then you didn't put your fa- counselor hat on. I was right? I was really desperate to, but then my father-in-law like gets really excited. And he's like, "Okay, everybody, be calm. I don't want this to devolve into a he said, she said, or something like that." And but then you know, fast forward a few hours later, <laughs> we get into this whole debacle about how Mike was like the bad child and and made his father break out into shingles because he left college. <laughs> Wait, to who go. told the, who told this story? The dad, oh. my father-in-law. So we were talking about shingles because Mike was talking about the shingles shot and all this, the, the, the vaccine to prevent mm-hmm. shingles. Suddenly that launched into my father-in-law's grievances against my husband, Mike. Blaming him for his Blaming shingles. him for his shingles outbreak <laughs> that he had because Mike, as an adult, had the audacity to leave college over Christmas break rather than go home for Christmas and go see some girlfriend at the University of Miami. Uh. And it was like this whole thing. And he like wrecked the car into the the guardrail because of the snow and you didn't call us and we had to call the girl's parents and how dare you? And we were up all night worried. So what is Mike doing in that moment? He's like, trying to he's oh correcting his father about his memories like that's not what happened that's uh. not what happened and like trying to like correct the record but i'm just like watching this like drama unfold and i did apologize because i think somehow i instigated it but um <laughs> he just poked the fire i didn't mean Uh-oh. to it's like suddenly we're talking about shingles and then now we're talking about how you caused a shingles outbreak with your naughtiness so it's like how <laughs> much of our love... families are just unsaid Yes, unsaid Dynamics. traumas, unsaid hurt feelings, unsaid just a mournfulness of something that transgressions, I guess. It's like but Mike was interviewing a new family member. He was test driving a new family. I'm going to leave you guys and check out this new girl who might be my new family. Mm-hmm. So it's mutiny. It's like abandoned ship. I think so. Rejection. They, and that even came up this morning because I was talking to Mike as he was getting dressed. And I said, do you notice, did you notice that your mom seems to be a little depressed? And she go, he goes, yeah, she's always had some measure of anxiety. And I was like, no, I don't think this is anxiety anymore. I think this is straight up depression because she had just a very negativistic outlook, negative attribution style. Um, all of her stories about what's going on in life is just a series of like misfortune and 
mis- misfortunes and unfortunate a series events. of unfortunate events. Yes, that's exactly what it is, and that's what that's what I was looking for. And well, that's a book. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> Lemony Snicket, and so. Um, I think that's, I'm trying to get Mike to be aware that I think his mom's mental health is going off the rails. But instead he just needed to like, oh no, she's always been kind of like that. But he, you know, he's, and then he said, you know, she's still mad at me because I left Ohio to pursue my career and I'm now raising children and have a family outside of Ohio. And I thought about that. I was like, yeah, she's probably upset with him that she can't be like the the classic grandma who goes to this, you know, all the little league events and uh-huh. the plays and is there for all the birthdays and all the holidays. She thinks she can't. There's nothing, but there's nothing keeping them in Ohio. They could, they're perfectly able-bodied. They're not as elderly as they would probably like people to believe. But they again have this very rigid again it goes to cognitive inflexibility. But the very the intolerance of her promotes the distance further. It does. That doesn't actually even get so she's intolerant that there's not closeness. Yet that intolerance behavior promotes more distance. It does. It exactly right. It's like an unintended consequence. Self fulfilled mm-hmm. prophecy. And who wants to be around someone who's constantly negative? No, exactly. And you know, well, I go exactly. to go to mom's house. I'm going to be in trouble for living in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Like no, yeah. There's not like a unconditional acceptance or, mm-hmm. or love. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, I and I I find it real unfortunate that punishment of withholding, where that's someone's uh, javelin. Is to withhold the unsaid. I'd rather just hear it. Like I'd rather someone be like, "You're a piece of shit, leave." Oh yeah. Than to just like withhold. It's like I pr- much prefer outward crazy than like sporadic internal crazy that comes See, out leaks. I think like, I'm every guilty, once in a while. <laughs> but I know I'm like, definitely guilty of withholding. And I think I wonder if that comes from like. If you say what's really on your mind, once those words leave your mouth, it's out there. And now you have like I would have no control over what happens next. Yeah. So what's the difference between withholding and being pragmatic? I think when I withhold, though, I'm also allowing myself time to calm down Mm -hmm. and like, okay, I need to be rational. Like I need to go back into my rational mind before I just start saying things. Yeah, well, I think there's a difference between pausing and withholding. Okay. It's a difference like in can't and won't. I can't say that to mom is a position of powerless. I won't say that to mom is a position of power. I, I can say it, I would say it, but it's not worth it. Right, because it will create these ripple effects that will you know, make the ship fold in on itself. But yeah, it's like my withholding with my mother was to, it's not... I'm not withholding, hey, I want you to be my mother. I'm withholding, because I don't, I really don't expect that. I'm withholding, I expect you to act like adult when I'm around you. I think that's just setting a very fair and basic. Mm-hmm. But I was withholding that unintentionally. Oh, I didn't even, didn't it wasn't that. even my frame of reference that I was until all these different series of events that have happened recently. And I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. I was, so there's like a, um, a subconscious withholding as well that can happen or it could be like your christmas question are you going home for christmas oh my god i never thought i'd never knew that was an option Mm -hmm. saying these things out loud often we don't we never consider them as things i could actually say especially to family if you were not to respond via email but rather call your mom and just say hey i got your email and i've been contemplating it and then just basic just without argument without negotiation just say i expect you to be an adult when you and i interact how do you think she would respond? Mm, uh, I have no idea. Like, if I were to say I expect you to be an adult, I would imagine she would throw out examples as to how that's untrue. I think or to talk about she'd probably talk about Waffle House and how 
I wasn't actually yelling at you or so. It would be it's something like, House. yeah, it would be something pretty deflective, I would imagine. But I think you need to get to a better goal than the word adult. Because technically she's an minimum. adult. But define it. What is that? What's the criteria? Oh, yeah, because she probably doesn't know. <laughs> and I think that's kind of insulting toward children. Or just that's age true, like act like an adult. Because right. her her child is going to be like, yeah. Because she's doing the best she can. Mm-hmm. She's looking at calendars thinking I'm an adult. You've got a different criteria for adult. So how do we define what being an adult is? What's the checkbox? Self-aware. Oh, and have well, have, Eli, have, I, you, no, you, you've already went too far. She well, she's she's this, not capable. But this is dealing with people that are impaired. You got to meet them where they are. So what's her level so of self-awareness? language, your mom's not going to get it. That's true. Adult, what do you mean? Look at my driver's license. This is how adult I am. I have kids. That makes me an adult. I'm married. That makes me an adult. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. So it's impeccable very with descriptive. our world, with our words. Yeah. And that puts a lot of responsibility on her to reinterpret that word. Well, and to say, I want you to act like an adult, there's definitely an, uh, a part of me inside, a big part, that's in, it's a vindictive energy. Like, I want that to be slightly demeaning. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're right. A child, no child likes to hear, act like an adult. No child should ever hear that. But what if they're not a child? Right. <laughs> what if they're your 62-year-old mother? But, I mean, she does have a responsibility. Uh, in whose world? In my world. In your world. hmm I mean, if she chooses not to accept that responsibility, then forevermore you're going to have to, when you interact with her, just extricate yourself when she enters her child like mind but you're right that that she she would not know what i mean by the term adult i think that's pretty accurate she'd have no idea so she doesn't see how other people she's not self-reflective she's like she doesn't see how other people act and think oh maybe there's a better way zero I've seen her do that zero times. Does she have girlfriends who tolerate mm. this? She has no girlfriends. Well, in a lot of the older church community, at least in Mooresville, I'll keep it in my own anecdotal frame of reference, they have, like the church community is more like co-workers that are very like surface and they don't extend outside of that environment really. So, like, they do stuff for the church, and they do, like, handbells and all this shit. And they have people they interact with about that. But it's always through that guise. It's not through the guise of, hey, I'm a person that wants to interact with you for these reasons. It's, we have a common goal that we're going to do together. Okay. And we have plenty to talk about without being intimate without being right. open and honest it's like we could just only hang out and golf together and all we ever talk about is our golf swing right and the new club we bought yes and so the church functions as that for a lot of their experience with relationships and they assume it's intimacy they right. assume because we're so close mm, what's the definition of close just because you know some of my secrets because it's on a prayer list doesn't mean I've really been open. Oh, I, that, I would be on prayer list all the time. When I was a teenager and I was using, I would go to church randomly. For, I don't even know why. I was dragged there probably for something. I would see the bulletin board. It would be before you walk in and my name would be on the prayer list. So I would walk in and be like, oh, shit. Like it would say pray for Evan Miller? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I was trying to be under the radar when I came here. But everyone knew. If they were if they were being honest, they'd have a prayer list and the shit list. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Is I'm on like, the shit list. It's like shame is the intervention. Mm-hmm. That's why your name was out there. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's the, the intention. But again, that's the community's ignorance where it's like, huh, we want to do this. We And I believe they're good nature. We want to pray for Evan. We believe in the power of prayer and that that will be an intervention in his life to promote wellness. I'm going to choose to believe that that was the motive. 
yet they don't have the community reflective ability to ask themselves, what does this do if Evan walks in and reads this? Is this shame evoking? Is this empowering? Is this supportive? They're not asking that question. Well, because it, to them, I assume it's so obvious that you would see that and think, oh, they care. Oh, it's like a little hug. Mm-hmm. It would blow their minds to think mm-hmm. it was shameful. But they have their own shame-evoking cycles they've probably endured throughout religiosity as well. <laughs> and so they're just reenacting all of that, just like a family system would. But it's a community system. It's an institutionalized spiritual system. A control mechanism. And oftentimes, I think the prayer part too is like, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to ask what you need, and so I'll just say I'll pray for you. Because that share it shares that I do care, and that I do want to offer support, and that's great. Yet, I don't have the cognitive flexibility or emotional intelligence to wonder aloud in our relationship as to what's going on, what you need, how you need support, how I can be there for you in an intimate fashion. Or am I part of the problem? Yeah, that too. Have I hurt you? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to pray about it instead because I'm afraid of what you might say. Yep. Is this is saying like, I'm going to pray for you, is it also like a form of condescension too? Like It could it could be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I have better could. access to God than you do. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why can't I just pray for me? <laughs> Because clearly you're on the shit list. You have a bad relationship. You're doing Thing about wrong. religion that's always irritating me, even when I was like seven, I would ask my dad these questions. I'm like, how come we attribute all good things to God and all bad things to ourselves? Like, or, or oh, that's just life. Like, it, oh, um, if someone has a terminal cancer and everyone prays and they beat the cancer, oh, let's attribute that to God. If someone has terminal cancer and everyone prays and the person dies, that's just life. It's God's will. It's God's Yeah, I'm like, huh? I've always been perplexed by that. It's interesting to use that word because there is a philosophical book called A Guide for the Perplexed. I need to read it. it well, it was written <laughs> thousands of years ago by um, a Jewish philosopher, Maimonides, Um and so that, but he attributes that very question to um, God is only positive and good things, and then when bad things happen, it's like a, a po- like a lack of God or like a negative space. It's like uh, it's very, I'm, I'm butchering the concept, yeah. but but if God is omnipotent, why would there be a lack of it in any space? Because evil exists, and so God uh, can't exist. See, I don't evil. believe in evil. Oh, really? I think it's Netflix, maybe HBO. There's a series called um, Miracle Workers. Have y'all seen it? Mm-mm. The actors, Sashimi, Stephen. Sashimi, isn't that? Uh, Sashimi. Isn't that oh. some, uh, what is it? Let's I get it at Osaka. <laughs> oh, Sashimi is like um, sushi without rice. Right? Steve Bushimi. Steve Bushimi. Oh. Yeah. Bushimi. He, he plays God, Bushimi. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really Italian. neat series. Yeah. But he's like <laughs> sitting on the sofa with the remote control in heaven. So this is like Heaven Inc. Oh. It's a really neat series. What's it called? Miracle Workers? Miracle Workers. You guys mm-hmm. have to. I got to go in a second because I'm trying to not get another parking ticket. <laughs> yeah, I'm already there. But uh, you guys need to watch Don't Look Up on Netflix. With It's got. It's bunch of cast Leonardo DiCaprio Meryl Streep Jonah Hill and Timothy Shamalat or whatever his name Shamalat but uh, you gotta Chalamet. watch Chalamet you gotta watch it there's a there's a overarching metaphor about it but it's the the I could share briefly about it without ruining it it's the idea of scientists discovering a comet the size of Mount Everest headed for Earth and they are talking to everyone in the world, like president and everybody, and no one takes it seriously. And so they're just scurrying around trying to like raise awareness, yet people are like tweeting about you know, random dumb stuff. And uh, then you got 
Somebody left rice in the pantry. <laughs> yes, exactly. But you should definitely watch it. Is this like a climate change nonsense or? Um, no, it will. It's what I, I don't think there's like a. Some people have hypotheses as to what it's trying to insinuate, but it's it definitely is alluding to if science doesn't agree with the whatever political affiliation is in that cycle, then it can easily be ignored. But also it's talk touches on like the media and misinformation cycling that happens through like algorithms. Okay. But it's funny. <laughs> I enjoyed it. And a movie pig. I haven't seen that yet, but it's on my to do list, yeah. Gotta watch it. Which one's that? It's a guy that um he lives in the wilderness and his his truffle pig stolen and he goes to the city Kidnapped. to find it. Kidnap, yeah. With Nick Cage. Oh my god. Kidnap truffle. But it's pig. not like he doesn't really I I didn't really think about him saying, We're gonna steal the Declaration of Independence <laughs> at any time in the movie. So he did a good job. That's my parameter. If I don't think about that actually no, that's a lie. I did think about it once. But because Nick Cage usually just a- acts as himself, like Kevin Costner, yeah. yeah. But yeah, watch Don't Look Up and Pig, okay, and Miracle, Miracle Workers, and Miracle Workers, and, Miracle Workers. Yeah. and Baby Geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that from the 90s? <laughs> I never saw that. <laughs> it's, bad, it's probably awful. I liked it though because I thought I was a baby genius. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up. I'm gonna I'm gonna post this later. I, right. said I, I said I would. It's just an hour. Be good. Um, well, happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, get mod. That's my um, promotion. Get mod. <laughs> get Melissa mod. five. I think this might be the last day you can get five dollars off of your vibrator and condom and lube purchase. Oh wow! At so getmod.com. They're really gonna have to listen to this episode today. Yes. And then purchase the yeah, device I mean, today. Yeah, especially if you don't go back to work until like late next week. Maybe your new vibrator would arrive. You Ooh, know, before. And then, yeah, and then you can try it out. And you can evaluate your vibrations for the year. Exactly. Re- you know, hopefully <laughs> a s- aim higher to get to a higher vibrational level. Yeah, well, we got to, yeah. Higher we got to get one so when we start talking about it, we can just turn it on. <laughs> I bring my De- DeWalt oscillator. <laughs> I'm going to bring a Sawzall and attach a dildo to it. <laughs> I got one of those too. My Not friend used to have a bag of dildos he would just bring around and just, like, he had one that you could stick. I guess it was for a shower mount. So I had like a suction thing on it Jesus. and he would, he would like oh stick it to the window of his car and drive down the street. <laughs> like, it was so great. All right, well, uh, let's wrap up there. (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) It's a good imagery to end on. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please subscribe so you're notified of new episodes. Rate and review this podcast and share it with your network. Thank you greatly for listening, and we hope we gave you some new ideas that help you develop as a counselor or perhaps incorporate into your psychotherapy practice. You can contact Evan Miller, Melissa Martin, or Eli Branscombe please email contact us at tellmeaboutyourmother.run.